0: Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Due to budget cuts, tonight's dramatic reading segment by Gilbert Gottfried had to be canceled. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit, here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe-smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you on a lovely Tuesday evening. I'm at home all week, getting ready for the IPCPR, because I leave on Friday. Uh, So, guess what? Next week, we're recording, but I've already got it. On tonight's show, I thought... Uh, For pipe parts, I'll update you on the FDA for everything that I know, to the best of my knowledge at this moment. And my guest is pipe maker Mark Stout. We've got music, mailbag, and rant, all that coming up in a standard Tuesday night edition of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And remember, if you are listening to this show, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you happen to be listening to it uh brand new shows go up on pipes magazine 8 p.m eastern time every tuesday and then they are available for download via itunes and all those stitchers and pod kickers and stuff like that shortly after uh and there's uh, 200 shows 201 now Lined up sitting there waiting for you to go back and listen to over and over and over again. Uh, So I thought I'd tell you a little bit. Uh, One of the things that I've got to do to get ready for being gone in uh, Vegas for seven days is, uh, well, for one thing, have to time the yard work so that the yard work lasts, you know, the week that I'm gone. So come Wednesday night or Thursday morning, I'll be doing the yard work and it's starting to look a little shaggy right now because we've had a lot of rain. Uh, The other thing, you know, get all the clothes ready, get everything all picked out. And again, this trip is a little difficult to plan for because I got a couple of days of setup in a hot convention center with very little air conditioning and then three days of full-blown trade show floor and then a fourth day of... Half trade show, half tear down, so you have to have a variety of different clothes, and then it's Las Vegas in the summertime. If you're inside, you need a coat. If you're outside, uh, you don't need a coat, for sure. But. All right, let's get the show rolling, so thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company, and here we go.
1: head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. At Cornell & Deal, we think the best things in life are better with age, and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. Currently, the Cellar Series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenet's Cake, Joie de Vive, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, but we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell & Deals Cellar Series, the secret ingredient, is time. Contact your local or online retailer for information.
0: Welcome back. All right, so I won't take too much time on this because this only affects our, uh, well, it affects anybody that orders tobacco here in the United States. Uh, So on uh, July 15th, the uh, major trade associations filed a lawsuit in federal court against the FDA and the complaint, uh, the major points of the complaint are the FDA's improper application of the February 15, 2007 grandfather date to cigars and pipe tobacco, which subjects those products to more intrusive regulations than cigarettes and smokeless. So let's go back a minute and remember, when this act was signed into law in uh, February of 2009, the cigarette companies were given the, uh, the deeming regulations and told that anything after February 15th of 2007, when the bill was initially written and started moving around, uh, would need to get further approval before getting launched. So the cigarette companies had two years to go back and they had two to three years to get, uh, to get everything all regulated. Uh, the next thing is FDA's impermissible assessment of a tax in the form of user fees And it's allocation of these user fees only to cigars and pipe tobacco and not to other newly deemed products. I'm not sure what exactly they're talking about, but I do know that there are user fees for pipe tobacco manufacturers and cigar manufacturers. And those user fees are simply going to get passed along as a price increase. What those user fees are exactly, uh, how much they are, we don't know yet. We're starting to see some cigar companies react to it, though. Uh, third point: FDA's failure to perform an adequate cost-benefit analysis to take into effect uh, to take into account the effects of the final rule on small businesses, as is required by the Regulatory Flexibility Act. Uh, my sources inside say that this is the strongest argument that we have that they didn't do this. Uh, uh, they, they didn't do this cost analysis. Uh, Next, FDA's unjustified decision to require cigar health warning labels to be 30% of the two principal display panels of packages. Yeah, it goofs up the pretty cigar art. Uh, Next point, FDA's unlawful designation of tobacconists who blend finished pipe tobacco or create cigar samplers of finished cigars as manufacturers which subjects those businesses to greater regulation than if they were retailers. Alright, there's a key one for us, because that uh, tobacco blending, or even the ability to open up a bag of tobacco and sell a portion of it, would make everybody a manufacturer. Uh, Didn't know that making a cigar sampler would do that. Uh, This does create a huge effect, and as we are starting to see, some retailers are responding or reacting uh, sooner than I think they should, and they're stating that they're getting out of the bulk tobacco or hand-blending business as of August 8th, and maybe it's just a way for them to run up some sales real quick, but uh, anyway, that's a key component in there, and it's also a traditional historical practice that they are banning. Uh, The final one is FDA's incorrect decision to regulate pipes as components or parts rather than as accessories. The FDA ignored the law to craft these expansive and sweeping regulations and cannot justify many of the arbitrary and capricious regulations it purports to enact, uh, says uh, Glenn Loop, executive director of the Cigar Rights of America. And this lawsuit is a specific and detailed challenge to the FDA's unprecedented assertion of rulemaking authority. We are acting in one voice to protect the legal rights of our industry at all levels, from the manufacturer, the community, retail, tobacconist, to the adult patrons of cigars. All right, so that kind of sums up what the lawsuit says. Uh, The pipe issue is that Pipes have to be registered with the FDA, and as far as I know at this point, that just means uh, filling out the form and sending it in and saying this is a pipe. There's no requirements for testing that I've seen. There's no requirements for uh, what exactly, you know, definition of a pipe, and uh, yeah, I guess it also, according to the deeming regulations the way they set, it also has to have the health warnings on it. Um, should have a health warning on it that a really cheap pipe burns really bad and hot, uh, but it doesn't. Anyway, that's what's going on. We are looking at some uh, decent, uh, decent chances with some of these getting into effect. We'll uh, keep you updated on what we hear, and uh, probably no more when I get back from the IPCPR next week. All right, in uh, no, in two weeks. All right, in just a minute, Mark Stout will be on the phone with me. This is Internet Radio.
1: I wish I had a genie who could make it easy to order pipes and tobaccos online. You don't need a genie, sir. Visit fournoggins.com. They stock all your favorite pipes and tobaccos, and every order gets fast personal attention. Orders are packed carefully and shipped quickly by priority mail. Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com. I can still see you, you know. A bit rusty, sir. Fournoggins.com.
0: Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. And uh, gosh, it was—I—it I, seems like it was just a few days ago. But I was hanging out at the Kansas City Pipe Show, and uh, there was this big bearded pipe baker and uh he had some good looking pipes i said how about being on the pipes magazine radio show and now we have mark stout joining us So, mark welcome to the show
2: thanks brian thanks for having me
0: all right so uh besides we know the beard has not been growing all your life but um where are you from where did you grow up and uh what did you want to be when you grew up
2: well, I was born and raised in Anaheim, California.
0: Oh, yay. I've
2: uh, basically been in Southern California my whole life. Uh, are you familiar with uh, Southern California at all?
0: Oh, uh, just the, there's I a little... you are. There's a little place called um, Disneyland there?
2: I, I've heard of it. Yeah. I've heard of it. haven't been, but I've heard of it.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's a nice place, yeah.
2: It, it is, yes. Um, yeah, so I've been, I was born and raised here in California, in Anaheim, um, um, uh, I live about maybe 30 miles south of Anaheim currently, uh, but I've been in the Orange County area my whole life.
0: And, I mean, all right, so let's go back. When was the first time you went to Disneyland as a child when you were very, very young?
2: I would say it was probably 1965 was my first experience uh, at the park. Um I, I can go back and look at some of the uh, the eight millimeter footage of when I was there, and the trees are a lot smaller back then. <laughs> uh, you can de- definitely see a, a difference over the past uh, forty some years.
0: In all of us. Um, so how yeah. so? How old would you have been in nineteen sixty-five?
2: Uh, I would have been four years old.
0: Wow. Four-year-old on the centennial of Disneyland. Okay, all right. So just so that people don't think that we're all of us Southern Californians are crazy like I am. I mean, Disneyland was what a once-a-year trip for you?
2: Yeah, if not less than that, maybe every couple of years. Um, uh, even back then, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a, a cheap place to go. So. I didn't come from a rich family or anything, so it was uh, quite a treat to get to go.
0: Yeah, when you were down there in Anaheim, most of that area was still Orange Groves and the occasional gas station.
2: Absolutely. I was uh, Where I grew up, I was considered uh, on the outskirts of town. You had to drive through about a mile of Orange Groves to get to the track of homes that I lived in, which now is considered in the center of town. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, and now you can't drive. So, now it takes you a half hour to drive that mile.
2: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: <laughs> all right, so we're we're all not crazy Disneyland fanatics. So you so you grew up. What did you want to What did you want to do out of high school?
2: Um, I wanted to become a photographer. So upon graduating from high school, I uh, went on to college and studied photography. Um, was there for about three years and I was offered a job with Technicolor oh.
3: um,
2: it was more of the on the uh, the technical side of photography um, but the offer was there and I took it and, and ran with it so I was with Technicolor for about five years and I moved over to Fuji after that so I had a a lot of experience in the, in the photography more on the technical end.
0: So, I mean, these are like real serious jobs, not just goofing around with a camera.
2: Correct. Yeah. (laughs) A lot, lot of time in dark rooms and and in labs, but it, it was interesting. It was fun work. Um, but I realized that, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of money in it and that I was probably going to have to find something else to do if I wanted to uh, be able to afford the uh, Orange County and Southern California real estate market.
0: (laughs) So you went right into pipe making.
2: (laughs) No, uh, upon uh, getting out of that industry, I was doing some part-time work at UPS. And the next thing I knew, I was a driver um, with a house and a wife and a family, and I decided that's what I'm going to be doing for the next few years. So I was with UPS for 28 years, and just recently have, have retired from there.
0: Wow! I mean that. So you were driving the the streets of Orange County for 28 years in a big brown van.
2: Yes, sir. Wow. A lot, lot of lifting and a lot of running,
0: and, and and a lot of traffic, and a lot of sore knees and backs, and all those parts.
2: Absolutely, I, I was fortunate enough to uh, be in a area of Orange County that was quite nice. I was in uh, Newport Beach for pretty much the uh, entirety of my career with UPS, so it was it, it wasn't all that bad.
0: <laughs> no. All right. So when do we? Uh, when does pipe smoking come into your world? Uh,
2: I I've, I've, I've dabbled in it. I would say over the past twenty years, <clears throat> but um, I would say like in the past five or six years, uh, I I was a cigarette smoker for for many many years and just decided to to stop smoking cigarettes and go exclusively with a pipe. So I would say it's been about the past five or six years that I've. Uh, been 100% pipe smoker.
0: All right, so how did it, for those that might be listening, how did you how did you do the transition? Did you just say okay, no more cigarettes and that's it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Just set them down and never picked them back up.
0: And did you allow yourself to smoke a pipe on the same kind of cigarette schedule or did you use it as a reward at the end of the day?
2: It was more of a reward um, I, I I came to learn quite quickly that pipe smoking was going to take a little bit more of my time and effort to, uh, to grab a smoke. So it's pipe smoking is not really a quick smoke type of deal. So yeah, it was, it was more of a reward at the end of the day, more relaxation and nice social settings.
0: So did, how'd you go about picking out your, uh, your first pipe and tobacco that you were going to quit cigarettes on.
2: Um, I went to my local tobacco store, um, tobacco barn. You may have heard of it since you are somewhat from this area. Um, went over there and got the pipe kit, you know, that included the pipe and tobacco and, you know, the tools and cleaners and all that. And said, okay, let's see what, see what this is all about. And, it took me probably about three weeks of doing it before I finally got the aha moment. I get it. <laughs> so, cigarette smoking and tobacco and pipe smoking are just two completely different animals. And it took me a while to slow down enough to uh, to really enjoy the tobacco. Uh, my father was a pipe smoker, so I had been around it growing up, and and always you know loved the smell and 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 all that. So I figured I was going to continue on that, uh, that legacy.
0: So did you try all different kinds of tobaccos and then settle on one style that you liked?
2: You know, I started out smoking aromatics and I would say probably for the first year, that's all I smoked. Um, I tried some English and it, I just, I, I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> uh, so I said, welcome back to it later. And, you know, I'll, you know, travel through the aromatic world and and see where it takes me and about a year later I picked up an English blend again and gave it a try and absolutely loved it and pretty much have not looked back since
0: Uh, you got pulled over to the dark side of Latakia (laughs) yes sir (laughs) Uh, was was there a type of pipe that you liked or style that you leaned towards
2: uh, probably, uh, billiard is what kind of caught my eye in the beginning. And, and I still really appreciate a nice billiard, uh, uh bent and straight. Uh, I would say currently, um, egg shapes are probably my, uh, catch my eye the, the most now. Uh, my, the first pipe that I bought was a 7 le and still to this day is one of my favorite smokes. It just, it just smokes great for me and it uh, ac- uh helps me in, in my uh my style of smoking i tend to be a little still a little aggressive um <laughs> but uh it, yeah it's just been a great pipe for me and h it's, it's in my uh it's in my rotation for sure
0: so how do we get to you making pipes
2: uh <laughs> One day, I was at uh, my uh, my local tobacco store and started talking to uh, another fellow that was in there, and he told me that uh, he had just finished making his own pipe with a pre-made kit, you know, pre-drilled. And I said, "Well, gosh, that sounds interesting." Um, so, upon the encouragement of my wife, she says, "Well, why don't you give it a try?" And you know, you'd have nothing to lose. It'll maybe it'll relieve some of your uh, your stress from work. So. I acquired one and went at it. I basically didn't have uh, other than hand tools, you know, rasps and files and and real, you know, real elementary uh, tools, and just started going at it. And it took me about three weeks to uh, to get it finished, and it was absolutely hideous.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but did it smoke okay?
2: Um. Oh, not really. <laughs> it was, it was, it was pretty rough. So it, it, it still is in my shop. It's uh, in a drawer, inside of a box, inside of another box, and uh, that's pretty much where it stays.
0: <laughs> does it have chains and a padlock on it so it can't escape?
2: Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> so, so after doing that, I said, well, I'm going to give it another try, and started to acquire some tools, and and the second one was a little bit better, and I said, well, this is actually kind of fun, but really, if I want this pipe to be my own, I probably need to drill my own holes. So then this, this search began for tools and tooling, and the next thing I knew, I was buying a lathe. <laughs>
0: And the next thing you know, you're buying another room for the for the house. And
2: <laughs> well, I'm fortunate enough to uh, have a three car garage and with no cars in it. So I have one motorcycle parked in there, and then basically the rest is all for me in my shop.
0: And you've got the uh, you've got the wonderful miserable weather of Southern California, so it's fine to work out in the garage. So I don't know, 385 days out of the year.
2: You know, there's about two weeks in in the year, in the summer, towards the end of summer, well actually our end of summer is usually the beginning of somebody's winter. Um, that it's quite pleasant out there. I a lot of my uh, my benches, my work benches that have some tools mounted to them, are actually on wheels, and I can roll them outside of the garage and make pipes al fresco. <laughs>
0: Uh, While we check the California weather, we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk more uh, pipe making with Mark, so stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Meet Josh. Everyone at
4: smokingpipes.com holds customers as a high priority, but nobody interacts with them more personally than Josh. He's our professor of pipes, if you will. As a previous professor of history, Educating the customer comes easily to him. He loves explaining the history of a particular pipe to a customer or coaching his customer service team. I love to help customers find that perfect piece for their collection. It's my job to make sure there's a smile on the other end of the line, and I'm more than happy to be the one to put it there. And although Josh's job can sometimes be quite demanding, he doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why?
5: Because I don't just sell pipes. I smoke them.
4: Call us at one 366 345 That's 1-888-366-0345. Or check us out online at smokingpipes.com. We are quality. We are experts. We are smokingpipes.com.
0: We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with outdoor pipe maker Mark Stout uh you ought to stamp those pipes as al the ones that you make outside
2: <laughs> I should I really should um that's maybe that's something that I'll look into
0: <laughs> yeah sunborn um so did you go and work with somebody or train under anybody before to fine tune your uh, your pipe making? uh
2: no, I pretty much have just been self taught um you know a, a lot of reading. A lot of research on, on how it's done and how it should be done and how I want to do it. Um, so it was a, it's, it's been a long process, you know, from the, uh, from the first pre-drilled uh, kit to where I'm at now. Um, I have had the opportunity to work with a few other pipe makers in, in the past year or so, and that's really been instrumental in, in taking my pipes to the next level.
0: So when you first started out, you were you were just doing the pipes on weekends and evenings and around your uh, around your UPS schedule, right?
2: Absolutely, and usually during the week, I, there wasn't a lot left by the time I got home. Uh, it, was, it was a very physically and mentally demanding job for me, and so it was more more weekends than anything else.
0: Yeah. So now you're retired and you're making pipes full time. Uh, was there a shape that was hard for you to to get a handle on how to make it
2: well i've really tried to focus on the classics um, i would say the toughest shape for me um, along with probably most everybody else is the blowfish um i've never i've never made a blowfish for sale um kind of a i use it kind of as a benchmark so oh I'll, I'll attempt one every maybe three or four months just for myself and just to see how I've progressed as a pipe maker. Um, so I'm getting closer to it, but it's, there's just a lot going on on a blowfish and I just don't feel that they're where they need to be. So I will continue to work on those.
0: Is, Is it something with getting the, uh, getting the grain lined up correctly or getting just the flow of the shape?
2: I would say the flow of the shape, um, the grain, the grain issues are uh, they're, they're pretty easy to, to figure out once you've uh, attempted a couple of them. But just the flow of the pipe, uh, I just not it's just not where I want it to be. So I will continue working on that until I'm satisfied with, uh, with what I can come up with.
0: And that, I mean, that's part of the cost of all your other pipes is that you're learning and fine-tuning and tweaking and working on blowfish that are uh, sitting in your bench.
2: Absolutely. I have a nice big box of, uh, of scraps and attempts and things that just uh, weren't where they need to be for me to, uh, to pursue them and, and finish them up. So I like to go through the box every once in a while and just kind of look at them and, and see where I was at and where I'm at now. And, and it's, it's, it's kind of a rewarding feeling to uh to see that i have progressed and and headed in the right direction
0: is there a part of the pipe making process that you like more than others
2: yeah i would say probably shaping is is one of the funner aspects of of pipe making um but I do uh, really like the, the challenge of uh, stem work as well. It's, uh, that's probably one of the harder parts for me you know, over the past few years to, uh, to really refine and, and get dialed in.
0: Yeah, and it, it's, I mean, getting the, uh, you know, cutting your own stems and getting your own style and then all the work that actually goes into the stem is almost as much as the work that goes into the pipe itself.
2: Yeah, if not more, um, it's it's that last quarter inch of the pipe. You know, the business end, the the button <laughs> and the slot is just really takes a lot of time, and you've got to cut a lot of stems to uh, to to understand um, how much you can take off and where it needs to come off and why it needs to come off.
0: Have you ever gone too far and cut into the draft hole?
2: absolutely I've got a nice uh, I have a smaller box with a collection of stems that I've attempted <laughs> and uh i I use those a lot of times just as a mock up as i'm uh as I'm shaping a pipe i'll I'll stick them on there and just to kind of uh get a feel for what the the finished pipe is going to look like uh with um uh, some of the, some of the lines okay. of the pipe and how uh how I want it to turn out,
0: yeah. So, uh, I mean, how many pipes a year do you think you're going to be making?
2: I, I try and shoot for about 100 a year. That's kind of my goal. Um, I have uh, I have ups and downs, definitely, as a pipe maker. And uh, I can go for a, a week or two and just nothing seems to go right. and And then I can have a couple of days where just everything falls into place. So... I would say 100 is is kind of my goal, but I haven't quite made it to that yet. Um, I'm probably closer to uh, 60 or 70 a year now.
0: See, now I'd suggest on those on those weeks where nothing's going right, maybe you hop on your motorcycle, ride right over to Disneyland, and just walk around there and just you know feel the magic and clear your mind, and then you'll go back and everything will be wonderful.
2: I, I think that's an excellent idea, and I, I may just have to do that. <laughs> Yeah, so I everything's everything's better at Disneyland, right?
0: Almost everything. Um, <laughs> does the motorcycle get inundated with dust or do you have it covered and protected?
2: I have it covered and yes, it does get inundated with dust. <laughs> so I have to uh I have to wash it a lot. Um I I do need to get a good um air filtration system out there to cut down on some of the uh just the dust overall in the garage but uh since i get to pull a lot of my uh my work out into the into the open air it does cut down on some of it quite a bit
0: i don't think we've ever yeah, there, there's,
2: there's a nice layer of dust out there
0: <laughs> and i don't think we've ever talked motorcycles on the show so why don't you uh all right what kind of bike do you have and how long until i can have one <laughs>
2: Well, if you uh, go down to to your local Harley dealer, you can have one today. (laughs) Um, I have a 2012 Road Glide. Um, uh, This is my second bike. I started riding back in 1998, and I had a uh, Heritage Springer before that. It was more of an older-style-looking bike. Um, My current bike, the Road Glide, is more of a touring bike, and I travel all over the country on that thing. Uh, I'm part of a uh a forum for that specific harley bike and we've got about eleven thousand members and we all like to meet up once a year so i've uh traveled i i think i'm at forty two states right now that i've uh that i've covered on the bike and i'm will be next month i will be heading to canada and start working on some provinces up there
0: do you take a pipe and some tobacco with you on these trips
2: oh absolutely um and several of the uh, other members are pipe smokers as well so i always like to to bring some pipes for them and and some tobaccos and we sit around and and tell stories and tell lies and have a beer or two
0: (laughs) now and you can't you can't smoke the pipe while you're riding the bike so i would assume you have to stop and yeah take a break yeah to do we that.
2: when we go on a on a on a trip we will usually stop about every 150 to 200 miles and we'll gas up and stay hydrated and enjoy a pipe and and then continue on we uh well we travel between five and 700 miles in a day on on an average trip so i've got uh I think there's 12 guys from all over the country that will be meeting here in Southern California next month, and we uh, and a friend of mine will be taking them up the California coast and through Yellowstone into Canada.
0: Ooh, God, that sounds beautiful. Uh, yeah,
2: I'm I'm real excited. I've never gone north of uh, San Francisco, so I'm real excited to ride through the redwoods and. And I've been, been through it in a car but never on a bike, so I'm quite excited for that.
0: Yeah, I, I was just going to warn you, those big, big trees, if you hit them with a bike, they don't feel anything.
2: Oh, oh good. That, that's good to know. Yeah. That's good to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you won't
0: hurt the tree at all, and you won't remember hitting the tree either.
2: <laughs> I would feel really bad if I knocked one of those redwoods over.
0: Yeah. Now, is that, is that both you and your wife on the bike at the together?
2: Uh, I will be riding by myself this time. Uh, when we do do our, uh, even our yearly meetup with our friends, uh, she will usually fly in just due to time restraints. Uh, she's a, uh, she works and she travels a lot. So she likes to, uh, minimize her travel time when she's not working and get to spend some time at home.
0: <laughs> and And an airplane seat's more comfortable than the back of a bike.
2: Absolutely. And then she just pulls, you know, comes up in the taxi cab, pulls up to the hotel, throws a little dirt on her and says, Ooh, that was some ride.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's terrible. All right. So let's go back to, (laughs) let's go back to pipes for a minute. Where does your pricing start out?
2: Um, I'm within, I'm between the two and $300 price range. Uh, sometimes I'll go a little bit more if it's a smooth, but, uh, I would say two to $300 is about where I'm at. And it's taken me about five years to get to that point.
0: And that includes a hand-cut stem and a handmade pipe all put together. Abs-
2: absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Uh, so, all right. I'm looking at your website, and the website is mstoutpipes.com it's hard to tell, but are you rusticating or sandblasting?
2: Uh, I was rusticating everything. Uh, I just got my sandblasting equipment all set up and good to go. So I've been sandblasting my stuff for about the past five weeks.
0: Wow. So that's a brand new I toy.
2: Am, I am. Oh yeah. And there's uh there's a learning curve on it. Um, it's, it's been fun. I've, been able to dig into my scrap box and pull some of my uh previous uh not so great pipes out to practice on so uh, they they did come in handy uh
0: and with some of your stem work that i'm looking at you're not afraid of color either
2: i'm I'm not afraid of color (laughs) that is true um uh predominantly i'm just uh, doing ebonite now, but I have in the past uh, got into uh, some of the acrylics. Um, it's been fun. Uh, I've also dabbled a little bit in briar stems as well.
0: Oh, that, those are those are a little hard on the teeth. <laughs> they are. <laughs> well, I mean, what kind of been... uh, what what kind of customer is buying the the colored stems?
2: I would say probably a newer uh, somebody that's maybe newer to pipe smoking. Um, I know guys that have been smoking pipes for uh, for quite a few years tend to gravitate towards uh, ebonite, and that's pretty much exclusively what they like to smoke.
0: Now, is the uh, is the acrylic a little harder to cut than the ebonite?
2: Uh, I actually think it cuts quicker, so you really have to keep. Uh, uh, keep a handle on it because it can get away from you quite quickly. It, it's definitely softer than uh, than the ebonite.
0: And see, and I don't mind acrylic at all because it's a whole lot easier to keep clean and maintained. So, I think there's a, I think if people wouldn't get so fussy about the uh, sensitivity to their teeth, it's a much better material.
2: I agree. It's definitely uh, much easier to keep a shine and uh, and maintain it only, you know, over over usage.
0: Uh, So what is coming up in the future for you? What pipe shows can we see you at? Uh,
2: The next show that I'm uh, booked to be at will be the West Coast Pipe Show in Las Vegas in November. And that's kind of, I I feel that's kind of my home show. That was the first show that I had done um, the first time was, uh, I want to say 2013 is when I did it. And so I kind of feel at home there. Uh, one of my favorite shows.
0: Now, in 2013, is that the last time you shaved?
2: <laughs> 2014 was the last time that I had shaved. Uh, the day I uh, retired was <laughs> the last day that I shaved.
0: And and how long is your beard now?
2: Uh, I think I'm around 11 inches and from the, from the bottom of the lip. <laughs>
0: uh any special maintenance that you do to it
2: um just a little tender loving care uh i do like a a little beard oil or beard balm i tend to gravitate more towards the balm just because i it can get a little woolly so (laughs) the balm kind of helps keep it all going in the same direction
0: Uh, when you're on the bike does it split in half and go around both sides of you
2: Unfortunately, because of the the model Harley that I have, it has a very large fairing in the front, and so the wind goes around that superbly. But it will come right up between your legs and shoot straight up your face. So the bird, the beard, tends to cover the eyes <laughs> as you're riding down the road, <laughs> which is which is not good.
0: No. Um,
2: so I would generally will tie it off into a ponytail to, uh, keep it from, uh, blinding me.
0: And all this because you got tired of shaving after all them 20 something years with UPS.
2: Absolutely. They, uh, they have a, quite a strict grooming policy. And so I, after 28 years of dragging a razor across my face, I thought I would take a little bit of a break.
0: Well, tell them. Even that company in Anaheim that I worked for that had a strict grooming policy—they allow beards now, which I'm against. But that's okay.
2: Yeah. yeah, I was. I was. That was. That's only in the past couple of years, correct?
0: Yeah, and it can't be more than uh, I think it can't be more than three quarters of an inch off your skin. So yours is yours is definitely in Disney violation.
2: <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> now I also heard that you. You couldn't be growing a beard, but you could have a beard. Is that true?
0: Yeah, you have to show up with a fully de- with a developed beard. It can't you can't go from clean to five o'clock shadow to little scruffy thing. You have to go from zero to fully developed. Wow!
2: So that was a, that was like a vacation souvenir that you're bringing back to work, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then the people had to have their ID photos reshot and. It was, it was hysterical to watch. Um, anyway, we will wrap this up with the Fast Five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answers, whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Uh, bring it. What is your favorite pipe?
2: My favorite pipe would probably be one that I did a collaboration on with Nathan Armatrout. Uh, started his shop one day when I visited him, and I brought it home and finished it, and that's one of my favorite pipes. Um, I actually have two favorite pipes. I also have my father's pipe that he smoked uh, for about 20 years, and he passed it on to me, and I like to smoke that one as well. And that I believe was a Chippendale, like a like a bell-shaped um, Dublin.
0: Wow. Uh, What's your favorite tobacco?
2: Um, I would say my go-to tobacco would probably be the Dunhill Standard Mixture.
0: And what's your favorite drink?
2: Coffee. Coffee, coffee, coffee.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music?
2: Uh, I would say movie.
0: And then the final question is... Any particularly favorite pipe-smoking-related memory that we didn't talk about?
2: Um, Probably as as a young boy, visiting uh, tobacco shops with my dad when he would go to uh, pick out his uh, tobaccos, um, truck rides with him also, with the windows rolled up, and uh, him enjoying his pipe, and (laughs) me being a seven-year-old boy sitting next to him, just thinking this is the coolest thing ever.
0: And you enjoying his pipe tobacco as well.
2: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Mark, thank you very much for joining us.
2: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, oh hey, I'll be at Disneyland October November sometimes, so we'll have to have you come over and uh, we'll have a smoke.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll introduce you to that place right around the corner from your house.
2: Okay. <laughs> Show me the ins and outs.
0: <laughs> we'll be back in just a minute. <laughs>
6: Craftsmanship, history, tradition. These are the hallmarks of all quality products, from the finest wines bottled in France to the most highly engineered automobiles manufactured in Germany. In keeping with their long history of providing the world with the best tobacco on earth, Mac Baron is proud to announce their newest creation, Modern Virginia, as a loose cut version and a flake version. Bright and dark, rich Virginia tobaccos have been combined with just a hint of burley for strength in this soft and smooth smoke with delicious fruit undertones. As the world leader in flake tobacco production, Mac Baron is sure that this blend will appeal to the true connoisseurs of traditional Virginia flake tobacco, as well as those who like their tobaccos on the sweeter side. Enjoy the culmination of centuries of experience by picking up a tin of Modern Virginia from Mac Barron Tobacco Company. Available at fine tobacconists everywhere.
0: This is Internet Radio. We are back and don't tell Mark, but I'm really jealous about the beard and the motorcycle. I mean, I can't, I don't think I could ever grow the beard, but I someday can buy the motorcycle, maybe, I don't know. Alright, for music, we are uh, going back to uh, Frank Sinatra, and this is a uh, medley of uh, two of Frank's songs. Um, The interesting part of this is the orchestra is led by a guy named Lynn Murray, and Lynn Murray was kind of a mentor to my father back in the early 70s. Uh, Lynn had a uh, prolific career in uh, in composing music for some movies and TV won an Emmy Award Uh, anyway he was uh, was a lifetime pipe smoker and uh, a regular customer of the Dunhill store in Beverly Hills but here's some uh, Frank Sinatra for you
5: comes now the time for medley time friends and my first contribution is I'll string along with you You may not be an angel Cause angels are so few But until the day that one comes along I'll string along with you I'm looking for an angel To sing my love song to and until the day that one comes along, I'll sing my song to you. For every little fault that you have, say I've got three or four. The human little faults you do have, just make me love. You may not be an angel But still I'm sure you do So until the day that one comes along I'll string along with you Smooth as silk, Lynn, smooth as silk Same goes for you, Joe Now I guess it's my turn again And I'd like to do the beautiful As Time Goes By. You must remember this A kiss is still a kiss A sigh is just a sigh The fundamental things apply As time goes by and the world will always welcome lovers as time goes by.
0: That was from a uh, radio program going back to uh, the 1940s, late 1940s. And, uh, of course, Lynn Murray and his orchestra there with uh, Frank singing for you. Well, let's
2: see what's in the mail.
0: In the mailbag, John Seiler is back. Hi, John. Welcome back. Uh, He writes, Hi, Brian. Great interview with Mike McNeil. Having listened to Mike at Chicago, your interview was just like he was sitting next to me. It was very interesting, and his depth of knowledge is immense. I can't wait until part two. That'll be in one week. Uh, Maybe a third interview should take place with Mary. Great show. Uh, We had Mary on early. Maybe we could have her back again. And uh, let's see. Wind Driver Brian, I must say you did a good job in getting a word in edgewise with Mike McNeil. I enjoyed your show with Mike and look forward to the next show, part two. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. Uh, Dino says, Congrats, Brian. 200 shows. Wow. And welcome back, John. (laughs) Um... Man, I just love the McNeils. That was the most fascinating look at Mike and McClellan's. Uh, your conversation, or rather Mike's dissertation, was filled with so much information and history. I look forward eagerly to the rest of the story. Yeah, I've got the rest of the story. Um, mazel Tov, as Harry Connick's mother might have said, for your wedding anniversary, you can never t- play too much Harry Connick. Uh, no, we had a good dinner, and we listened to some Harry on the way down there. Uh, yes, you did mess up Constantino's last name. You left out a syllable. That's easy to do with my landsman's polysyllabic names. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing the Greeks aren't cheap with is uh, letters. Uh, hold it, hold it is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Thanks for another fun show. Constantinos Agropoulos, or Dino as I call him. <laughs> uh, New Broom says... Uh, Great show, can't wait to hear from Mike And a dedicated show with Mary sounds good Go back to episodes 5 or 6 or something Uh, I was listening carefully to what Mary's solution was For the casing dilemma And I don't think it was revealed No it wasn't Uh, 26 years, blood, sweat and tears She must be one strong woman Congratulations, thank you everyone (laughs) Okay Uh, Casey Ghost Dan says I can remember at the Chicago Pipe Show a few years ago and Mike McNeil receiving his Doctor of Pipes award and the host saying Mike would you like to say a few words and my whole (laughs) life flashing before me I was amazed that you were able to ask three or four questions in 40 minutes Mike is opinionated garrulous and completely over the top he is also one of the most loved and respected men in the tobacco business Without Mike and Mary, the KC Club would have would have a hard time putting on their annual pipe show. Uh, when we opened our vintage tobacco table at the last show with really old tobaccos supplied by Fletcher Heiner and Lane Tand, uh, we also offered up some 60-year-old Chesterfield cigarettes and a metal tin. Mike thought he had died and went to heaven. Mike is a major enthusiast of old-age cigarettes and why Mary McNeil has been designated his saint. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, I have an idea. Um, I will say those old cigarettes are really tasty. Uh, Lonesome Piper says, This was a great show. I'm so glad you guys could keep it up for so long. Keep them coming, please. I wish there was an index of sorts to help us find some special gems of information which are hidden within the 200 episodes. Very nice and entertaining interview. A lot of history. Bring them again and then again, please yeah, we'll bring them back, uh, next week. And as far as an index goes, we thought about doing that, but that's a lot of work and who knows what the little tidbit is that you'd want to know out of there. So that's why all the shows are still sitting up there available for you to listen to. Um, a couple other notes, uh, let's see, Dan Locklear and the Kansas city pipe club also, uh, mentioned their support of, uh, constantinos's pipes and uh dan even sent me a picture of his little uh uh his little reverse calabash and apparently the kc pipe club may be having their pipe of the year done by constantinos one of theirs and don't forget uh it's time to uh start traveling hey if you're in las vegas this saturday i'll be at the uh tobacco leaf out in Summerlin and uh come on by i'll we'll be there from about six to seven and i'm um, bringing some friends from the uh from the pipe world with me if you're coming to the ipcpr look for me at the sutlift tobacco and McBaron company booth i believe it's booth number 2055 and in about two weeks i'm hoping we'll have some uh, more news on it uh North American Society of Pipe Collectors 2016, Swap and Sell Pipe Show, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. That's uh, August 26th, 27th? Yeah, 26th, 27th. Not sure it's 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. on Friday, but I think it's just the evening. And then, uh, as a casualty of what's going on, and I'll explain this a little bit, the Nashville Pipe Show has decided to cancel this year's event and let me just say that one of the reasons that they, I'm pretty sure they had to cancel, and I'm just guessing, is that the major sponsor for them was uh, Drew Estates, and it is expensive to put on a pipe show. Uh, if Us tobacco companies, we're not really sure right now if we can really sponsor a an event like that. So that's all kind of stuff that's up in the air with these uh, FDA regulations, and we're all trying to get a hold of it. Uh, in the meantime, hey, I'll keep you updated. All right, in just a minute, rant time.
6: If you're looking for quality, if you're looking for a variety, and if you're looking for someone with a reputation for nothing but the best, you're looking for cupofjoes.com cupofjoes.com has hundreds of pipes to choose from and thousands of different pipe tobaccos cupofjoes.com is also your one-stop shop for peterson pipes their exclusive line of peterson kelly pipes check out their remodeled website at cuppajoes.com and be sure to like them on facebook cuppajoes.com quality products at extraordinary prices
3: italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion it's their birthright their legacy And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs, comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today.
0: Cowboy. Cowboy. I'm going to pick on the FDA and the current uh, political climate here in the United States of America and some of the world all in one shot. At the end of every one of the FDA's uh, seminars or uh, little presentations that they put on, well, they say something to the effect of protecting our children from nicotine or protecting the world from tobacco and blah, 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 blah. Well, you know what? In light of everything that is going on in the world with all the shootings and all the terrorist attacks and all the bombings and then a coup in Turkey, you know what? Maybe we need to not worry about protecting people from tobacco because tobacco's not jumping its butt up out of the field and come running at you with bombs strapped to you or bullets flying out of you. Maybe we need to worry about protecting our children from people. You know what? Let's have the FDA, instead of wasting all of its damn time coming up with these bogus regulations and everything, why don't we worry about making you know, regulating things that make people happy? Let's worry about making everybody a little bit happier. Nowhere in the annals of history have you ever heard of a pipe smoker snaps and goes nuts and starts beating people with his pipe full of tobacco, causing uh, burns and road rashes and um, and uh, you know and uh, and scrapes and tears. No, you've never heard that. You've never even heard of a cigar smoker attacking a clerk at a store. With a lit cigar and trying to stab him in the eye. No, you've never heard of that. Well, you know what? Let's worry about making people happier and protecting people from other people instead of tobacco or the evil nicotine. No, the evil nicotine is naturally out there. So let's not worry about that. You know what? We've got a big government. Let's spend our resources a little smarter, a little more wise. Let's let people live a life where they don't have to worry about getting shot or blown up in this world. And if they want to smoke, leave them the hell alone and let them smoke. Uh, Don't forget, email your uh, congressmen, senators, anybody that you want to tell them that tobacco is being unfairly attacked. Uh, got any questions or comments, post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on PipesMagazine.com. Follow me on Facebook. I'll post some stuff from Las Vegas. Uh, follow the Pipes Magazine radio show on Facebook and all that wonderful stuff. All right, there you go. Thank you all for tuning in. Next week, 100% pre recorded That'll be on Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Thank you to Mark Stout for joining me. And until next time...
1: Happy trails to bomba Until bomba meet bomba Happy bomba to you bomba who
5: cares about the clouds when we're together Just sing a song and think about sunny weather.
4: Happy trails
5: to you (laughs) till we meet (laughs) again.
3: What are you people? On dope?